You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. This is your Wednesday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki, no Tim Leonard today. He's got the day off doing some traveling today, but instead we might even have something better than Tim. No offense, Tim, if you're listening, but... We have Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic today. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us here. How are you doing today? Hey, I appreciate the honors. It's a blast to be on and, and always always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And in this case, just you, Tyler. Glad to hear all that. Before we dissect the Syracuse season so far, be sure to check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And if you are new to the show, we like to say that Matthew... We, we help him get some subs sometimes to The Athletic, but he often gets us some downloads here as well and some subscribers to our podcast as well. So if you are new to the show, hit that subscribe button. We'll have Orange Podcast for you every single morning, Monday through Friday. All right, let's get into this Virginia game because this is something that when I look at what Syracuse put out there, again, this is a team that headed into the game with a lot of positive momentum, coming off blowout wins against Miami, against Virginia Tech, and that Tech team, a top 25 team. So you you take that and run. But then you get to this Virginia game. And to me, I feel like people were hitting the panic button too quickly because we thought Syracuse had some momentum, but we didn't think they were a top 10 team. And you go on the road, short turnaround, and now you face a Virginia team that slaughters you. Sure, you can be a little disappointed with the margin of victory, but... I feel like the overall result is something that we kind of expected. For sure. It's a good point. I mean, I think if you're Syracuse heading into the Virginia Tech, Virginia, you know, two games in three days versus two top 20 teams, you're look, the best case scenario, you split, right? You go one and one. And they did that. They beat the Virginia Tech team. They had a favorable matchup. UVA, uh, Tony Bennett improving to, to eight and three now against uh, Syracuse and Jim Beheim. Beautiful execution. You see Tony Bennett offensive creativity against the zone. Roy Williams is super creative with his bigs and then screening the guards. And Tony, you know, with putting Clark in there, Ty Jerome a couple years ago, he, I'm I'm surprised more teams don't do that. Put, if you don't have huge bigs, like put, um, you know, guards who can make good decisions in the high post uh, rather rather than bigs. I think that's another talking point. But no, to your point, I mean, look, Cuse went one and one, picked up their win. They very well could go be NC State at home on Sunday uh, and and improve back to four and four in the league. So look, I think what we know right now is this this is another Syracuse bubble team. They'll beat, they'll beat some of the bottom half of the ACC that they're probably going to have some trouble with the, with the top few teams. And you know, now you look ahead at this four game stretch that they've got coming up. And I think this is where you're going to start to see what Syracuse is, because again, we kind of saw two ends of the spectrum here. You got one end where you face Miami, you face Virginia tech. All right. You got good, solid wins there. That's, that's a really good sign for your season. And then on the other end, you get crushed by Virginia by 23 points, but like everything in life, nothing's completely black, nothing's completely white. It's usually somewhere in the middle in that gray area, and I don't think either one of those results sort of tells you what this team is. Now, I think these next four games, they could give you a pretty good indication because you've got some solid competition, nothing great, but nothing bad. You got NC State this Sunday, and then you've got another game against NC State on the 9th, and then sandwiched in between there, you've got a home game against Louisville, and then a trip down to Clemson to take on the Tigers. And I think this four-game stretch, you're going to learn something. The record, I think, is going to tell you what this team is, right? Like, if this team goes 4-0, and they're a great team. If this team goes 3-1, and 
they're a pretty good team. They go two and two, they're an average team. One and two, they're not, or one and three rather, they're not that great. And then oh and four, you can kiss the bubble goodbye. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, realistically, this team probably goes, you know, what we know, two and two or three and one in this stretch. Uh, interested in, you know, NC State. I mean, a lot of these teams, you know, are beating each other, right? So it's it's hard to say how Cuse will do, and especially the last few years, Tyler, you, you know, they'll, they'll go beat Duke uh, and then lose to, you know, Clemson and Miami and be on the bubble, right? Yeah, so it, it happens the last few years. We can't really predict them. Louisville is, you know, turning a corner a little bit, it seems. Um, you know, teams like Georgia Tech, uh, I guess the Florida State game isn't, isn't probably going to happen, so you don't have to put, face them. But there's, you know, like you said, Louisville and Clemson, I think, are – uh, you know, regardless of ranking or net ranking, which fluctuates so much, it's because it's January mostly. It's still a little early. Uh, these are these are capable opponents, and, and Syracuse is going to be tested. The biggest thing, and, and Eric Devendorf, um, you know, I think has said it on on Twitter, is is energy. You know, that Virginia Tech game, I sat on you know courtside there where, where we sit this year, thankfully, <laughs> and that you could see the energy that team brought defensively. Um, Virginia Tech was not executing well. They did miss shots, but the energy was there. And they looked a little deflated Monday um, after the first minute or two, which was a really good start. Uh, they just looked deflated. They didn't have the same energy and, and you know, missed shots led to defensive breakdowns and vice versa. So I think if they can bring the defensive intensity and just really want it, uh, they could be okay on that side of the ball. Maybe not great, but at least okay. I want to get back to that defensive energy thing that you brought up in just a sec. But real quick, you mentioned Florida State and, and that game probably being canceled. Is that based on stuff you're hearing or is that educated guess? Uh, just educated guess, yeah. I mean, with with the schedule, you know, I, we don't know if I know the ACC tournament, there's, you know, uh, rumors, you know, from some coaches are just saying, you know, I think in the recent Zoom call on Monday that, you know, maybe it doesn't happen or maybe it'll be limited teams, right? Because if you're not in it, wide play, maybe just opt out. If you're a lock, maybe you opt out. You know, there's something to consider there. But as far as the schedule, you know, I mean, it's going to be hard for Syracuse to, to squeeze in some extra games here. They didn't really build in a lot of extra time. Maybe they do. It's just my educated guess that, that they might not get those makeups in. Okay, gotcha. And again, this is always a situation where you look at, oh, maybe down the line, BC has a, a COVID flare-up. And, and the, whoever Florida State is playing that weekend, they also have one. So that matchup can reconvene due to circumstance. But that's something to, to look out for down the line again. They may have, what, what do they have left? About nine or ten games left, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have nine or ten. You may have seven. You may have 11 or 12. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But let's get into the defensive intensity here because this is something that when I look at the Syracuse team, I feel like this is almost the make or break thing because when they look active and when they look like they're really into it defensively, they look almost unstoppable. I mean, look at the past two performances, uh, not past two, but the but two of the th previous three performances against Virginia Tech and then Miami, the defensive intensity was there. But then you look at Virginia and the pit game and the defensive intensity is not there. And I think Virginia Tech, it starts with the guards. And we really saw that in that game because Joe was not playing well on defense. And then Coach Beheim gave him an earful. And all of a sudden, that lit a fire under him. And then we saw a different Joe Girard go out there and put together one of his best games. I think you even tweeted about it. That, that really got him going. And he, he played one of his best halves of defensive basketball after that. For sure. I mean, Jay McNamara has that saying, you know, quote unquote, it starts with us for the top two guards. Most years you either have like 
Howard on the fifth ranked defense a couple of years ago, six five, six six. Uh, you know, MCW, Trish, Cooney, Benege, all longer, you know, for the most part, pretty, pretty tall guys. So right now you have you're a little undersized with, with Gerard up top. You have Buddy who's a little slow, and he'll tell you that. Uh, but sure, certainly starts with them. Virginia Tech game. I think when, when Joe got called out, I believe he found a seat on the bench when he came back in the game. I thought it was his best defensive game of his Syracuse career, at least in a against a good, you know, good, good opponent in Virginia Tech being number 16 at the time. Uh, so that was encouraging for Joe and Buddy. Uh, they just have to be consistent with it, right? Consistent energy. And the key is if the shots aren't falling for those guys, they still have to defend. And that's the one issue we've seen. And, you know, Allen was, was solid offensively. Allen made a number of uh, missed mis breakdowns defensively yesterday. Uh, wings not getting out the shooters. Quincy, you saw Jay Billis call him out at least once or twice, not realizing the ball was in the corner until the ball was in the corner. And it was a wide open three. Of course, Virginia switched it. One of their 14, 14 for 31, I think, on the night. Just really good shot quality by them and ball movement. Um, so it's, it is shot everybody. quality. That's your buzzword right there. Yeah, <laughs> shotquality.com. Shout out. Uh, it, it, it is everybody. Not to place the blame on Buddy and Joe. I did write about them though today, and and it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, when they don't, when they aren't hitting shots, which they haven't been. Syracuse is one of the worst three point shooting teams now of, of all the high majors. Uh, you know, it, it could be a long night for them not only offensively, but it bleeds over to the defensive end, and you can't do that. Real quick, i to tell you about the best place on the internet to shop for a car parts. That, of course, is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and also in your pocket. And one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money, and that's the best thing about rockauto.com is that you could choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts that you're going to get at a chain store or new car dealership. And not only that, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So rockauto.com's prices, though, they're the same for everyone, and they're always reliably low. And one of the best parts about rockauto.com is it's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. It's the consistency that makes them the best. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers, and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you again. When you go to rockauto.com to fix up your car or truck, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You know, I want to talk about Buddy Beheim because this is something, it's almost the inverse of what we see with Quincy Garrier, where 
we feel like we don't talk enough about how good Quincy Garrier is because he goes out there and puts his head down and just puts together these good games night in and night out, but it never is something that really feels like it's headline grabbing. Meanwhile, on the other side, it's the same thing, except it's more the struggles of Buddy Bayheim. We don't talk enough about it, and it's because whether or not he might just pop up and have one of these games where he does go out there and get you 23, but we're seeing a lot more often he's producing those sort of games where he goes 1 for 8, 0 for 6, and those are the things that he has to shake off because Syracuse needs him to be a great player. And we had Jordan Cornette on this show not too long ago, and we asked him, who are the guys on this team that you really need to cherish their presence? And I was a little surprised. The answer he gave was Buddy Beheim. I thought he was going to err on the side of Quincy Garrier, but he picked Buddy. And I just, just think that kind of goes to show how important Buddy is to the success of the Syracuse team. For sure. Uh, to your earlier point, I would certainly say Quincy over Buddy, but you know, do do uh, admire Jordan and and respect what what he says and his an, his analysis has always been good. He was really terrific. I think it was the Syracuse UNC game, right? Although he did um, acknowledge that he, he is a bad luck charm for the Syracuse team. <laughs> so for everyone out there, and he does have this NC State game coming up on Sunday. So anyone out there who is a pocket scheduler, you can maybe put that L in ink for this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, no, he's good. I mean, he and Jay Billis are among the best analysts you're going to get um, for Syracuse. It's really good to just listen to them, volume on, and, and hear what, what kind of a fresh outside perspective says about the team. And sometimes they come away with things that are obvious that we you know, we didn't even consider, really. Um, but no, as far as Buddy, yeah, my concern level has certainly increased. I mean, at first I thought, you know, it's just a shooting slump. Uh, and probably similar to what Joe Girard's been through. I think he's shooting a little better from three, but he's he's also been drifting out of games for extended stretches that make you kind of scratch your head for two such ball ball dominant guys that they're so heavily utilized. Um, you know, they both had COVID, right? And, and they had symptoms. They were tired. That probably played some role as far as rhythm. I don't think it played a huge role, but some role. Uh, and then here we are now. It's It's been a few weeks now since that pause. Uh, they played several games, so you would think they would be back. Uh, you know, still forcing shots. Um, I, I don't know if the shot selection was great yesterday. Um, as Coach Jim Beheim said it, he, he thought Buddy had good looks. I don't know if they were all great. There were plenty that were, you know, NBA range with a with – a, hand in his face but um you know he's just not getting the movement again a lot of it's one-on-one too and part of that's what Virginia is going to do to you right defensively but you know when Syracuse is, is going they're they're pushing it a little bit they're moving the ball well they only have a couple set plays uh but they have guys that can really cut and move Allen backdoor you know Quincy and Marek one-on-one in the post they have those options and, and they kind of drifted away from that in their losses uh, you know, against Pittsburgh a couple times and UNC and then again on Monday. So, yeah, as far as Buddy goes, well, the thing that that he kind of over overrides his, his bad games is, like you said, he'll go get 20, 25, hit a bunch of – he'll four threes in a row, and the average – and it kind of evens things out. But against teams that, that know he's capable and put a good defender on him, you know, he generally has been pretty quiet and same with Joe. So um, something to keep an eye on again. Another another over a month here left to go in the season, so he does have time to turn it around. Uh, but it, it's it's been lingering for both he and and, um, and Joe, and and has hurt this offense. But at the same time, this offense is still top. I think still top thirty as of today per Kempom. And it just goes to show you, this is an offensive team. They're going to win with offense. I know the defense has really 
had some nice performances lately, but you're going to need that offense to kind of bring it for you every single night. And I think it really starts with the guards. You look at the guards on this team and how important they are. And, and really, I think the testament to show how important the guards are is this. Quincy Garrier is putting together one of the best seasons we've seen for a four on this team in what, five, seven years? And you're still a middling team in the conference and in the country. You're still on that bubble. When this team has the proper guard play, they're a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament. And they just have not had that consistent play these past couple of years. But when they have that consistent guard play, they can really hum. And we've even seen it this year when the guards are firing on all cylinders. So I want to do a little bit of an exercise with you here. Because let's take the four guards. Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, Alan Griffin, Kadari Richmond. And let's rank them right now. One through four, where would you put these guys? And I'm going to give you two exercises here. Rank them one through four in terms of their production and one through four in terms of their importance. Stuff. Okay, so um, there's such big uh, disparities in usage with these guys. Alan Griffin's at like almost 30 or around 30%. Uh, I believe he's the, the highest usage player on the team. That was at least entering Virginia. Things could have changed and been skewed by the blowout loss, 30-point loss, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, as far as um, sure value, Allen probably gets the nod just because of the usage. Um, but in, a, in theory, I would think it would be um, Buddy or Joe, obviously the two top guards. Right. Uh, you can put one or two, you know, probably Buddy number one, but as the leading returning scorer, but, um, you know, just for, for conversation's sake, they're, they're the two defenders and they're the two guys that have the ball, you know, among the most on the team. And, and this is a team that, you know, has relied on the three point shots at times to the detriment of the team shooting, you know, what 30% from three overall. Um, Alan Griffin though, on the other hand, you know, has scored a lot. Uh, he's turnover prone, uses the ball a lot, needs a lot of shots generally to score. Uh, but he, you know, he will get you points in, in a hurry if you want. There's some questionable shot selection at times. He'll go streaky, and this team is streaky, <laughs> very streaky, as they have been for a few years. Uh, and so just because of the, the minute breakdown and usage and volume, I think Kadari goes in the 3-4 spot for both uh, questions just because, you know, I, I, love, I love the player. I think he is very capable. I've written about it before. Uh, his plus minus, his efficiency, his defensive rating, it's all, you know, right up there um, best on the team. But he just doesn't have the minutes right now uh, and the consistency against good teams to to kind of make that case yet to kind of crack the one and two spot. You know, it's interesting you bring that up about Kadari because I feel like he's the enigma in this entire equation right here because you could really put him two through four on either of those projections that we're doing. And I look at him because like there are times where he looks really, really good. Like you look at that Miami game, you look at the Virginia Tech game. He is one of the biggest reasons, if not the reason, why they won those basketball games. But then you look at some of the other games. I mean, even this past Virginia game and the Rutgers game earlier in the year, and he didn't look great, and I feel like the Kadari Hive kind of just Homer Simpsons their way back into the bushes when that happens. And that is something that he, he almost doesn't get the proper criticism, 
But at the same time, like, I'm with you. I love his game. I think he's going to be a fantastic player, but there are plenty of freshman mistakes. And I know a lot of our listeners don't agree with us necessarily when we say this, but Jim Beheim is right. He does get tired in games, and it's something that I'd like to see improve with him because I'd love to see him stretched out to play 25 minutes. I just don't know if it's in him. And it's because he does get fatigued, and you can clearly see it. It leads to turnovers late in these games, and they need him to be right if they are going to be a super successful team. For sure. It's a great point, the latter point about, um, you know, a couple things there, actually. So as far as fatigue, you know, someone who one of his ex-coaches growing up, you know, had texted um, a couple days ago that Kadari needs to work harder. And uh, I don't know if that's in practice or if that's on his own. It's probably a combo, but he does need to work harder. You can see the fatigue there. It's evident. First few minutes, he's, he provides a great spark usually. And then he tends to, not always, but tends to in some games dripped out. Uh, and and it, it's almost cringeworthy because you know how capable he is if he can just play full throttle. For the, he's only playing 10 to 20 minutes a game usually. Just give all out right in that short time period. Uh, how You know how much is there if he's playing well, right? It's just – it's almost frustrating if you're a Syracuse fan to see this kid tired when, you know, his defense is so stellar. His playmaking can be good. It has the ability to be good. He hit that, you know, jump shot at the end of the game in garbage time, which was an encouraging shot sign for his jumper, which has been kind of – uh, so 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 far has got some ways to go with the with the form but it is it is promising so that's as far as the fatigue and then the other thing is you know he has great pacing and control in traffic he's a great ball handler uh, he'll, he'll, but he at times he will get a little excited uh, he's a little raw so he will sometimes just you know lose the ball in traffic he'll he'll you know, through the legs, it just kind of trickles away. And obviously, Allen and Buddy made their fair share of turnovers, right? This is not just a Kadari thing. Joe has turned the ball over. Buddy, you know, Jay Bills called it out, made some awful passes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we're nitpicking here with the, with the only top 100 recruit on the team, by the way, is Kadari. But, um, you know, he he um, he's an interesting player to watch. I think, like you said, he's got the probably the most upside on the team. It's either him or Quincy, I would imagine. Those are probably the two guys that have the best shot at getting to the league and, and, st- and staying there. Um, you could probably argue Alan Griffin is sort of in that conversation, although he probably has a little bit more to prove. But I think Quincy and Kadari physically, as far as just tangibles, uh, have the most upside. And I think if you're a Q's fan, the only issue is, you know, Kadari's going to be playing behind Buddy and Joe, it looks like. Uh, for however many years he stays at Syracuse. So that's the only thing. Will that limit his development? And we're, I'm kind of talking macro here right now, not this season, but I'm just, that's something to keep an eye on with a kid who probably needs a lot of minutes to work out kinks and, and really develop into the player he can be. Hey, less than two weeks, and we're going to have Brady and Mahomes. Chiefs, Bucks in the Super Bowl. I can't wait for this one. And right now, there's only one place that we trust to get in all of those weekend wagers. That's right. It's betonline.ag. And it's not just for the weekend. We've got college basketball on betonline.ag. There's NBA, NHL, whatever sport you want, they've got it. When I look at this matchup, right now the Chiefs are a three-and-a-half point favorite. But that also could change. So if you like the Chiefs, Maybe wait out a little bit, but if you like the Bucks, now is the time to pounce on that three and a half line. So go to betonline.ag and sign up for a free account and use our promo code 
locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. You throw 200 in the account, you're going to get 100 on the house to play with. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, quick break to tell you guys about the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know it, it's Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar 2 is even better because guess what? They're pumping out new flavors left and right, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. The list goes on and on, and that's on top of the 12 already amazing flavors that they have in their inventory. It's almost like when the ACC added Syracuse. They had your classics like Duke, UNC, all those great teams, and now you're adding in a Syracuse, a Louisville, all that other stuff. That's what Built Bar is. They're just adding to an already great thing. The bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And if you're trying to maintain weight, gain weight, whatever it is, you can eat Built Bars because they are a delicious treat and they're perfect for any health-conscious person. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, and high-protein. Just take the peanut butter brownie, for example. 19 grams of protein packed into that bar. So if it's the best way to reward yourself for a workout is by topping it off with a great-tasting Built Bar because it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And right now, go to BuiltBar.com and you can use our promo code LOCKEDON and you will get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, hold on, because you unpacked some really important stuff there. I want to start with the, the high school coach comment, because to me, that's kind of concerning. When I'm hearing that from his high school coach, that he needs to work harder. So when, thinking back to his recruiting process, was work ethic one of those things that was a big concern with him coming out of high school? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was more that, you know, you saw the high school tape. This kid, I think, was in the 80s per 247 sports. He shot up quite a bit late in the game. Um, you know, you could argue he should have been he should have been higher. Right? I think Kadari Richmond is much better than Jalen Carey was as a freshman. And I think Jalen was like 50 or 60. Uh, and obviously rankings don't mean a lot. But I think part of the reason he wasn't a higher recruit um, is because he drifts out of games sometimes. And you watch the high school tape obviously an outstanding attacker. I mean, he's blown by kids at the high school level, kind of like he has at the college level at times. Uh, but one thing, you know, he'll go five, six minutes without doing much. And that is just one concern. Uh, you know, great players, really good players, don't generally just go several minutes without without impacting the game, right? They're at least getting touches, they're attacking, they're getting steals. So he has got, I don't know if the, if the fatigue weighs into that, maybe it does uh, and trickles in, but uh, work ethic is something that needs to be improved with him, no doubt about it. You know, that's really interesting because, like, unless you have some sort of extenuating health circumstance, there really is no excuse for fatigue being your biggest red flag and work ethic being your biggest red flag coming out of high school, especially when you're a college athlete, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know if it's if this is something that happened in high school. It seems like it did. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Um, you know, obviously they had two extended pauses, so they weren't working out. But he is behind the eight ball compared to his teammates, right? I mean, we can knock on 
on Joe and Buddy for their defense, but you know they generally don't appear to get too tired late in the game, right? I don't know if that's because they don't expend a ton of energy early, or they know how to conserve it, or they might just be in better shape. Thank you, Dari, and that's all there is to it. Uh, but so I don't know how much you can use the the pauses as an excuse, right? For him, he's just got to, you know, like that coach said, he's got to get in for extra work if it means, you know running steps over at university village when it's 16 degrees out, so be it, whatever he needs to do to get his legs and, and, and make sure his focus is there hundred percent of the time, because he has to maximize his minutes. I mean, Bayheim's not going to play him 30 minutes a game, right? If Joe and buddy are healthy. So he's got to uh, maximize those 10 to 20 minutes because you know, the ability is there to be the best guard on the team. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And that's obviously execution is, is the name of the game, right? You still got to do it. You know, it's interesting because this gets into the larger question of rotations and stuff. And we'll get into the Woody Newton stuff because you asked Jim Beheim a very good question too. But I think when you look at Kadari and you bring up how important it is for him to get the minutes, get the development, because he can take that next step when he's given the proper treatment – but what is it going to take for him? Is it going to be excelling in practice or just maximizing the, the 15, 17, 20 minutes that he's out on the floor that's ultimately going to lead to more playing time for him? Hey, I mean, it's a tough one. Part of it is certainly practice. Um, you saw Beheim, you know, he, we can get into Woody, but basically said, look, I'm playing the guys that are doing the best in practice. So Kadari, you know, you can't be taking practices off and I, I know players do that at times. They won't obviously say that in a, in a Zoom with 25 people there, but, you know, just natural, right? Four-month season, you're going to, you know, bad day with your girlfriend or you fail the test, whatever, right? You're, you're just not going to be there mentally for an hour and a half, four o'clock practice. Like it happens. I do it, you know, during my day even sometimes, right? So we're, we've all been there. Um, you can't expect that, but he has to do that as much as possible. Be super locked in generates deals during the five on fives and three on two and two on ones they're doing at practice hit shots go, go up show up early and get a manager or, or a walk on and have you have him rebound i mean he has to be in the gym uh showing coach Beheim he's, he's there to work and he has to execute at practice because it seems like you know Beheim has been weighing a lot of the minutes for this six-man rotation what it's dwindled down to is literally six um is it's just about who's delivering at practice and then of course when his name is called in the games, you know, he can't have the two or three turnovers. I think he had last night, a couple silly plays, wasn't quite as active, although I think he did have one or two steals uh, and he's second or third in the league right now in steals in only 20 minutes a game. So he's capable. Uh, he just needs to keep disrupting passes, keep working hard. And the thing offensively last night, and, I, and again, it's Virginia, right? It's an anomaly. You know, Kadari was really silenced offensively, right? He didn't get any sort of penetration, you know, Clark is one of the best guard defenders in the league uh, who was on Richmond for a bit. Uh, you could just see you know, Richmond was a little hesitant, didn't seem as confident as he's been in some of these previous games where I can almost see the look on his face and he's working downhill uh, to attack. And he didn't, he doesn't have that in the losses. You mentioned the Rutgers game, another good example. That was early in his year as a freshman. Maybe it was a little, uh, oh boy, Big Ten, we're on the ro first road game of the year. You know, that was, I think, a, a wake-up call for some guys, right? Rutgers is a big team. They were ranked at the time. That was, a, that was a tough game. I don't think they were quite ready for that. I think if they play again, it, it's probably a little closer. Or, or, you know, obviously you'd have Buddy, too, and Rutgers would have their, their guard that they were missing. But anyway, 
point is, you know, Kadari needs to, to continue to to get deflections and, and penetrate. Right. And I totally agree. Kadari means so much to this team on both sides of the ball, whether it's facilitating, whether it's defense. And he, he's a guy who I think can maximize that potential, but he has to continue to improve in the work ethic department, kind of like you said. All right. I want to get to your Woody Newton question that you asked Jim Beheim. He kind of snapped at you. Didn't ask you what your major was, but he, he snapped at you. But regardless, when you look at Woody Newton, what do you take away from him? And, and what did you take away from, from Jim's answer? For sure. I, I wasn't uh, asking about Woody to, and sometimes I think Beheim when he snaps at reporters, and it's not to take personal because he does it to a lot of people, um, especially after, you know, a frustrating loss. I get that. Coach K, you know, tough loss against Louisville. He might snap. I understand, right? They're in the, yeah, it's a tough question. Actually, real, real quick, did you yeah. think that was that bad? Because I personally didn't think that was that awful. Like, I've seen Jim go off a lot harder on other kids. No, I mean, look, Tyler, you know, we've seen Beheim do much, much worse to reporters, to Mike Waters. Real quick, do you have a, a Beheim kind of goes oh, off on not, the story? Not so much to me personally, other than when I suggested in a column a couple of years ago, that O'Shea Percet play center. Um, That's right. That was you. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, whatever, he went, he went off. But that wasn't really a, a jab at, at me. It was more at the idea. I think he, he didn't really call me out. didn't send my name. So I don't have a ton, but I've witnessed plenty of, of him going at people. Uh, for sure, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. But no, I was just asking about Woody, not to question Bayheim's decisions. I was more so asking, is he okay? Is he healthy? I thought maybe he would have said Woody had uh, had the virus, but he did not say that. I thought maybe he would say Woody had been hurt and he's recovering. No, I was just so I was just asking what the status is, uh, and he basically took it as, you know, me asking, well, why aren't you playing Woody Newton? And that was not how I, I asked that question. But his answer was, you know, basically I play the guys that are doing the best in practice. I followed up with is Woody at least healthy, and he answered same line um so we didn't learn a whole lot there i assume the answer would be the same with jesse edwards uh right now i just thought you know i asked because in december after the bc game Bayheim raved about what he said he likes everything he does moves well without the ball defends can shoot he's long he's a good defender second best defender on the team uh per the defensive ratings and you can see that right he's got that length he's pretty good anticipator so I thought I was just wondering why the shift um, six weeks later, and we don't really know why. And I don't think Woody knows why either. Do you anticipate we might see him at some point soon? I don't know because Allen's going to play a lot. Quincy's the best player on the team, uh, and might be a first up team all, all ACC guy at worst, probably second team, and probably to the league this year. Um, he's going to play a ton of minutes. If you get Barama back, I think that almost makes the makes it worse for Woody and Robert. I mean, um, Brahma would play the, play the five, Marek to the four, and then I guess Quincy to the three, and then it just kind of shortens the minutes for Allen and Kadari. Um, so there's not, there's not a whole lot. There's only so many minutes here <laughs> that we're dealing with. I mean, I remember writing a rotation piece in the fall. I think we might have talked about it with you and Tim, and, and people were responding, well, what about Woody? What about Robert? What about Frank? I'm like, Guys, Beheim plays seven people. Like, I can't put the whole scholarship 13 guys in the rotations here. Let's just be realistic. No, let's, let's be realistic here. The seven people play, right? So, and this year it's six. Um, and I just, you know, you feel for guys like Woody and Rob, 
the one thing I did want to bring up real quick and it's ancillary is, you know, this weekend I, I posted, you know, recent Syracuse transfers, right. And how they're doing Jalen Carey, Matthew Moyer, Howard Washington, Bryson Gadine. And the one theme is look, aside from maybe BJ Johnson, guys aren't doing well after transferring from Cuse. I will say in fairness, I do think because they didn't play at all at Syracuse that maybe hindered their development. And so that's part of why they're not performing well. Right they had lost some confidence. They didn't get a lot of development and playing time. So there's something to consider there. And I just think of that because, you know, for a fact, some of these scholarship guys, at least one or two are probably going to transfer after this year, unless they get, get some minutes here. Yeah. Especially with this whole rule now where all these guys are going to be eligible right away. And listen, you want to get out. It's not necessarily running from competition, quote unquote. I mean, at some point we have to stop rewarding blind loyalty. Some, at some point you have to put yourself in a better position when yeah, yeah, the situation arises. So I, I don't blame these kids for transferring. Sometimes the fit isn't right for you right away. All right, I'll get you out of here on this last one that we got here for you. Barama Sidibe, you brought his name up a little earlier in the show, but what's the status with him? When can we expect to see him? Because it's kind of been one of those situations where, oh, we expected to see him around the UNC game, and then we've just gotten further and further from that point, and Felt like every time you take one step forward with him, you're taking two steps back in terms of, of his pace to return to the court. Yeah, I mean, originally it was supposed to be right around New Year's. Uh, the pause kind of extended that. Then he had some, I think, what we think is arthritis. I think Beheim called it, quote, arthritis or whatever. Uh, end quote. So I assume it is or t- probably tendinitis. Tendinitis is what Paramus dealt with in the past. So I would assume it's that, but maybe it's a different um uh, you know, after effect to to his surgery on his knee. Uh, but he said in a, in a cameo, which he has a cameo, you can pay him $200 to send you a birthday wish or happy holidays, you know, whatever, um, which is, by the way, Bayheim charges less than John Rothstein. Go figure, right? Uh, and um, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's I mean, that, just that incredible. pricing chart is huge. We sleep in May. But, <laughs> well, it's almost February and then almost it's March, right? <laughs> um, they got t-shirts and everything, right? Reddit channels, who knows? Um, no, but with uh, on Cameo Behind, sometimes we'll drop just information on injuries and players. And he said, you know, Brahma should be back in quote a couple of, or a few days, I think was the line, a few days. And that was, I think Saturday or Sunday. So in, would that mean he's back for NC state to play 10 minutes, maybe? It'll take him probably two weeks to get back into things at the very least. Uh, at the same time, you want to tamp- temper expectations with Barama, right? I mean, you guys know well. Look, he's he had a good end of his junior season, but was that an anomaly? It could have been. Uh, will he even be at full strength? Will he be kind of 50-50? I mean, his stats aren't great. Um, he's a great kid. Uh, I love talking to him. He's got big goals. I think he's a political science major or something like those lines he wants to do do really well for i think us and his uh and molly where he's where he's from so power to him but as far as impacting games at the acc level he's still a little improving he doesn't score a lot his rebounding is sometimes there sometimes not and his defense you know he's prone to foul trouble big time so just a few things to temper i'm not i'm not bashing on him at all it's just you know if he gets back it might not be the savior everyone thinks the center is going to bring to this team you know it's just something to keep an eye on uh with Marek at center they're probably a much better offensive team so there's there's that too 
Hey, also, I gotta ask you, how did you start going through Cameo to start to get these like inside scoops or, or these little, like, were you tipped off that, oh, Jim said something in a Cameo here, go check it out? Or, or like, how did this start with you? No, nah, I mean, a couple, about a month or two ago, I saw he was on Cameo. And, you know, every few days I just go on and see what he says. And most of the time it's, you know, wishing someone well who had a cancer diagnosis or a birthday or dealt with COVID, I think, in one or two cases or Merry Christmas. And, you know, most of it's just lighthearted, but occasionally he'll he'll provide an update. I think, you know, he's, he's said a lot of what he said in his radio show and, and Zooms and Cameos. Hey, we're playing pretty well. We got to get through COVID. We got to get a vaccine. Hey, you know, Woody and Richmond are pretty good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll drop some insights for you and say happy birthday for 250 bucks, I think. So people enjoy it and you know, you can check it out. Anyone can go check it out. It's all public on, on the Cameo website. Well, that's amazing. Well, Goody, you're the best. We love having you on the show. Appreciate your time and hope you and the rest of the Gutierrez family are doing well during these times. And we look forward to continuing to read your work because you're the best that there is covering Syracuse basketball, and we appreciate your insight as always. Yeah, hey, I really appreciate that, Tyler. Always a pleasure um, with with you, and not not today, but give Tim my love, and always good to to connect, touch base, love your podcast, and I appreciate the kind of words too. We're we're healthy, thankfully, staying safe, not taking too many risks. You know, it's amazing what we can do, man. I mean, listen to your podcast, listen to any podcast. I can watch so many shows. I can exercise on YouTube. I mean, there's so much you can do at home. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to. We're so spoiled. Well, that's great to hear. Goody, appreciate you once again. And, and if you're not subscribed to The Athletic by now, I, I don't know what you're waiting for because you're going to get great orange content as well as any of your favorite leagues or, or other pro teams or other college teams that you like. You're going to get the best of the best when you subscribe to The Athletic. So go subscribe and you'll get all of Matthew Gutierrez's work there. Tomorrow on the show, we're actually not going to be here. We're not going to have a tomorrow show. We had that little extra Sunday treat for you guys on the recap for Virginia Tech. So Tim and I are off tomorrow. We will be back, though, on Friday and get you all previewed up for that NC State game coming up on Sunday. So for Goody, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys all things NC State coming up on Friday.